Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Left Turn Canada. Andy Burkowski, Christo Avalis here. It's an exciting show. It's number 3-0 for us. We've been doing this 30 times for you, bringing left-wing Canadian news uh, 30 hours of it. Can you believe that, Christo, over the past few months? It's been really exciting with the election. Things are dying down a bit, so now we actually have to do a little bit of work, but it's been, uh, it's been a ride, eh? It's been a lot of fun. It's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, the the viewers have been fantastic. You know, the people in the Discord, you know, our Patreon supporters, uh, you know, people, if you want to join that the, the Discord, you can support us on Patreon. Like, they've been fantastic at sharing story ideas, asking great questions. Um, mm-hmm. We've had some great guests. We're, now that the election season's over, we're, we're hopeful that we can get some guests again. Um, but uh, it's been great. It's yeah, great. and I like we said, um, right as the election was, you know, closing up, if you come on this podcast, there is a hundred percent success rate that That's you true. will be reelected to federal office and maybe even other offices. Just get so. elected. Well, maybe even just get elected. <laughs> yeah. As, as so far, right now, like again, we've had three po- politicians that have been on the show: Nikki Ashton, Leah Gazan, and and Matthew Green, and all three of them were elected and quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as well so likely due to our support yes not that they're yeah, well, you know perhaps not, really not progressive left wing <laughs> yeah not entirely due to our support but but mostly due to our support I yeah say. yeah i gotta say yeah. i don't know if you knew this christo i think i gotta change some stuff in the back end but apparently the the gods of the algorithm over at uh, Spotify have decided that we are a comedy podcast, despite me trying to label this three or four oh. times as a politics news commentary podcast. They think we're more comedy. So I think we're going to have to do some some more jokes if we want. To. Or I guess we are. I guess they already think we are. Anyways, interesting stuff. Maybe, maybe we just we're too we're too hilarious. That's it. And so I wonder if we're just going to have to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> well, let's start with something that is not hilarious. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective. It's been about a week since Trudeau decided to go on vacation during uh, recon- uh, recognition of the atrocities that are continually happening to Indigenous people here in Canada. And he did apologize, and I feel like now it's completely gone out of the ether. It's just another thing Trudeau did. We just need to accept it because if you're too critical, then you are the raving conservative, basically anti-Trudeau supporters. It really does seem like an an us and them sort of thing in general consciousness because this happened, I think, right at the tail end of when we uh, recorded our last show. He, He went on vacation in Tofino right, I think, as the day that we were recording, and then the next day he apologized. Now, Christo, I feel like one day, maybe, in this news cycle, day and a half, and then it was done. No one seemed to care. Yeah, I mean, well, it was big news, but ironically, in some ways, it was driven by, like, the outrage that it was news, right? On Twitter, as this broke, it was either number one in Canada, it was near the top. Uh, uh, Hashtag Canadian media failed trended because liberal supporters felt this was like bad journalism it was gotcha journalism it targeted trudeau's family um and then when the liberals got called out on it they said um 
well, you know, indigenous people, like, why are all these white people pretending to care about indigenous people? Indigenous people don't care about this, even though indigenous people on Twitter and various indigenous leaders from communities and associations, uh, local, federal, provincial, uh, were all kind of speaking out. You know, not all, I shouldn't say all, but but very yeah. high-profile indigenous leaders um, you know, nece- not weren't necessarily furious at Trudeau, but were disappointed and felt that it sent a bad message. Um, you know, Canada Land, uh, you know, the big the big Canadian podcast network, they did an episode just this week, I believe, or last week on this, mm-hmm. where they basically covered it and, 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 and had largely the same take we did, which is that this is, of course, 100% news. It's a valid story. Trudeau was wrong. And what was very interesting was that you know, liberal supporters not only suggested that this was bad and it took attention away from the survivors and their and 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 the victims and their loved ones, but when pressed on it, what they suggested was that you know Justin Trudeau did nothing wrong, blah blah blah. And then of course Trudeau did apologize, mm-hmm. right? He apologized, basically saying I was wrong to do it because again, it wasn't just as if um, he took a vacation day. And yeah, that was he, well he didn't schedule and, it weeks before and like, oh, no, this happened to happen. Yeah. It's not well, like exactly that. like one. This this day was well known. This <laughs> day did not sneak up on him. Um, You know, Justin Trudeau would never do this to a, you know, a, a you know, on Remembrance Day or what yeah, have you. Of course, like, this is an important holiday mm-hmm. uh, for 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 all Canadians or it should be. Um, And. You know, he lied about it, right? Like, we talked about this. I don't yeah, want to be yeah. able to point too much, but he lied like his official his official like prime ministerial um itinerary which is posted on on the government website and basically said here's what the prime minister is doing today at least here are his public engagements and they said that he was working privately in his office in ottawa which was a lie and so the only logical explanation is trudeau lied because the truth was politically and personally embarrassing Mm -hmm. yeah no and it it is it's upsetting to hear that that happened but it, it is very odd when this apology broke and after the story uh, took place to see the sentiments from liberals with this general antipathy and even rage against a media conglomerate in Canada that is so supportive of their ideology that is entirely behind, like at least for the most part, the neoliberal project and sees Trudeau as someone who can achieve that. It, It was very odd to see this the same sort of outrage that you would normally see from, you know, conservative uh, sections of the the online sphere against the media identifying their biases now from liberal cohorts saying, oh, no, they're against us. Now, I wonder if that was just because this was the first time that they ever felt that the media wasn't saying something that was exactly what they think and feel like general term, the media, of course. But it, it was just very odd to see these sorts of people having this sort of reaction using the same sort of rhetoric of the people that perhaps they despise or at least publicly say they despise more than than anyone else. You know, these conservatives read before conservative always doesn't matter who the uh, the leader would be. But yeah, Christo, I just I I can't believe this. The outrage was pointed so heavily at the media generally for, for pointing this out. It almost seems like it was a lot of white liberals trying to victimize themselves on this holiday that is supposed to commemorate the people that we as, you know, a cohort victimized. Like I just, it made me feel fucking sick. It really did. 
Yeah, yeah, it was awful. Yeah, we don't need to go into it too much more. But yeah, basically, I mean, I always find it funny when liberals and conservatives complain about media bias because yeah. like, <laughs> look, look, there are media sources in Canada that are biased towards the liberals and there are some that are biased towards the conservatives. Um, but like in general, both of those parties have like significant portions of the media that are in general favorable to them. Right. And it's like as new Democrats, or especially if you're listening and you're like maybe to the left of the NDP, then it's like either you get consistently, you know, misrepresented and mocked in the media yeah. or you don't exist. Absolutely. Right. So it's yeah. like the left doesn't get coverage, right? Like the, the PPC, a lot of it's negative, but the PPC was treated as like a big time serious party. Um, and, you know, the Communist Party of Canada, I'm not necessarily saying it does deserve it, but like even if the Communist Party all of a sudden started polling at one or two or three percent in Canada and there was some kind of upswell, it would likely not get covered like the PPC when yeah. they were only polling at two or three percent. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, it, the, 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 the liberals and conservatives complaining about media bias is is always funny to me because <laughs> they've already they, won. they don't realize how good they got it. Yeah, they've right? already won. And like we said this during the election, what was the chief criticism that was levied against NDP policies across the board? Isn't that a little naive? How are you going to pay for it? It is the most reductive, you know, toddler way of examining these sort of issues of progressivism. And it was said at the national debates. It was like, I remember that it was so funny during the national debates when all of the questions levied to each other leader were about the serious issues with their platforms and how it doesn't affect the people that really need it. Yet when it came to sing and what he had to answer for, it was again, you know, how are you going to pay for this? This seems a little naive, you know, so just th- this idea that the media is against white liberals is uh, insane. They've never been more in pocket. And yeah, I-, I wonder if, you know, something like this happens again if there will be a call for an even more, you know, capitalist, outwardly liberal with a capital L media conglomerate. I don't know what that would even look like, but I I do feel I do wonder if there could be a call for that, considering this outrage when people were just upset that he did like one of the stupidest things you could do as a leader. Like it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. Anyways, anything else on this one? Are we good? (laughs) No, no, we're going to move on. Trudeau okay. and, and, the, and his supporters are, are, are awful. There we go. And uh, the other big story, the actual news to discuss this week, is Jagmeet Singh and the first big press conference before government starting up of the NDP. They went over basically what they are looking for from this minority liberal government, what they are going to be pushing. The basic points are concrete, immediate steps on a range of issues, pandemic support, climate change, reconciliation was a big point. But one of their other big tent poles was a federal vaccine passport. Singh said, we believe strongly in a federal vaccine passport, a document that can be used for interprovincial travel, to travel domestically, and something that would allow people to have proof they can be used everywhere in Canada. And then, of course, he, he called again for Trudeau to stop right now fighting kids in court, which I think was a really nice continuation of that narrative. I'm happy that he's that the NDP is not just dropping that because now, you know, we're not finding as many graves, well, which is such an upsetting thing, right? Yeah. And it's continuing yeah. like because like the day or two after the election, 
uh, there, there was a ruling that went, I think I was actually on the day for truth and reconciliation or, uh, Trudeau lost an appeal, but there is, I think indications they might continue to appeal maybe all the way to the Supreme court. Well. And it's not the only case in which the Trudeau liberals are fighting kids. So like, you know, it, this isn't over. It's, it's not like it's like we've had new developments in the fighting children in court, uh, things since, uh, since the last election. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just overall, looking at this introduction of a platform, just the the talking points essentially that are being pushed by Singh and the uh, the NDP here. Do you know, again? There's nothing uh, too concrete of what needs to be said. He didn't explain all of his plans here. From what we've seen, what are your initial, I guess, thoughts of how this is going to work with Trudeau's minority government? Well, I think one challenge is like finding a way to to to, to balance your demands because mm. you know you 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 Singh has power, he has influence, he has sway, but it's but you know unlike maybe some of the better polling predi- predictions, which maybe had the NDP you know in the 30s or even like around 40 seats, and being the only party that Trudeau could you know besides the conservatives of course uh you know pass legislation with Singh doesn't have quite the amount of power that maybe uh the best polls would have given us and so it's a similar parliament to last time where Singh has a lot of influence but ultimately Trudeau could also get support from the bloc and maybe even the conservatives on an issue by issue basis so you want to make demands that are achievable because you want to look effective and you don't want to just say we want you know the entirety of the NDP platform but you also don't want to just ask for things that are, are seen as too modest because you want to actually wield some power. So I think as a basic demand, it's good to kind of focus on these immediate issues, some of which Trudeau has talked about doing, but these are things that are very important. And, you know, I think it's important that Singh is like, these are things affecting Canadians now. And so that's my focus now. I do think that he needs to find a way of of picking those issues that are um, popular with the broad liberal NDP voting bloc and trying to hone in on those. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I think Pharmacare is a good one to look at. The liberals have mused about doing Pharmacare, but they didn't really include it in the last budget. They tried to disingenuously pass off that little program they did in PEI as a sort of Pharmacare pilot, but it's in no way is it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the liberals, even the liberals, you know, didn't even lie about putting Pharmacare in the budget, in their platform budget. So I think, like, you, Singh needs to play that kind of role um, in this parliament. So, you know, for instance, I've seen some people suggest, and we'll talk a little bit about electoral reform, but I've seen him suggest, oh, you know, he should make electoral reform conditional on support for the government. And, I mean, I don't disagree that that would be very important. But I don't know if he has enough cards in his hand to mm. actually make that happen because that's a big demand. We saw Trudeau yeah. lie about that as a core promise and then break it, you know, in his first election win. And this uh, one, he, he mentioned I, it again yeah, that he was going to do that. He did mention it, so he was, but he non-committal answer, of yeah. course. But yeah. the, 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 the reality is that, you know, you, want, you have to find ish, you have to find that tightrope. And I think that, you know, you need to look at those policies that the liberals may support. Um, mm. And you also have to balance your your antagonism. I think Singh was right to say that we're not just going to pledge our, our votes all the time to the liberals. Um, but of course, you know, um, you, you, you also have to weigh the fact that, one, it might be hard for the NDP to trigger an election because that banks on the fact that both the bloc 
and the conservatives will also want to. Remember, we're in the same situation last time. For the parliament to fall, uh, it would require the liberals, or the conservatives, NDP, and Bloc simultaneously uh, voting against uh, a, a, a confidence motion, which yeah. is unlikely to happen, at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think it was a good press conference, but I, I, I do hope we see more concrete and more ambitious demands. Yeah, um, so you know, we because, talked about Pharmacare, like, and we did not hear yeah. those words, you know, and I, I feel like that could have been a bit of a, a beacon to bring everyone forward. He did talk a lot about paid sick leave and, of course, citing the, the ongoing pandemic concerns in Alberta. But you said it, the, as much power as he does have, he doesn't really have that much power. And if, if he, he shoots off too early, if he fires his gun too early, where's he going to go from here? Like, I don't know exactly what the methodology would be for the NDP now considering when the next election may happen, what he's actually, you know, hoping the party can achieve uh, in this press conference. And afterwards, when asked the question, if, you know, liberal representation have uh, reached out to try to, you know, signal that they're open for negotiation, he said, no, they haven't wanting to negotiate or talk so far. So is it possible that if, you know, Trudeau just stays the course and basically ignores what, Singh and the NDP is pushing that it would actually make any sort of a difference. Well, I mean, I think that Trudeau himself has to be careful too. Uh, Singh is popular. A lot of people uh, who voted liberal had the NDP as their second choice. And if Trudeau comes off as too arrogant, it could also hurt him as well. So I, I, I think it's a little early. Like, I don't necessarily... Like, look, I'm skeptical Trudeau's going to actually want to work with the NDP. Like, I'm skeptical of that being the case. But the reality is also that... Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of time left. Trudeau, I think, yeah. said he's he's going to announce his cabinet on the week of the 25th. So that's mm-hmm. like you know two almost uh, maybe three weeks away. Mm-hmm. If he announces it late, like late on that week, um, and so there's a chance that um, you know Justin Trudeau is still hammering out what his cabinet is going to look like. He lost a couple cabinet ministers. He won some seats in like uh, in in Western Canada that he didn't hold before. And so all of that means that he likely has to shuffle some people in and out of cabinet. Uh, you know, he's probably going to want to have a gender equal cabinet still. And so, uh, you know, if he has to, a couple, like uh, they had a winner in Calgary who's a man. So they'll want to add him to cabinet, likely meaning they'll have to remove one man in particular. Uh, you know, they lost a woman cabinet minister. So they have to figure all of that out. And I think that's probably uh, the, the first priority is Trudeau building his cabinet before he starts negotiating with other parties, which I don't mm-hmm. think is necessarily unreasonable at this stage. Right? I wonder... I don't think that's an... Yeah, 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 absolutely. I wonder what Trudeau would have to do that would allow us to get Pharmacare because he's done blackface. He was on vacation during, you know, one of these these hallowed holidays. How badly would he have to screw up in which he would need that victory, you know, where he could say that he's the one that brought us Pharmacare, and then he could, you know, go into the annals of history as being right there at the foot of Tommy Douglas or something like that, you know? Like, I wonder what would happen, because no matter what happens, he's not going to give... Like, it's very clear, he will not give us something that is bold and big unless he, I believe, as the individual politician, 
can benefit. And that is the worst quality, in my estimation, that an elected official can have because it, it does completely negate their utility to us and their constituents. But I, I do wonder, you know, how badly he could screw up that would you know, kind of force this decision. Maybe he will. He has a good track record of, of screwing up now. He's, he seems like he's unraveling a little bit. What do you think about this? We talked yeah, about this a bit. Yeah, he's definitely but. made some mistakes. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, like, it might be another scenario where the liberals say, okay, pharmacare is going to be the thing we either implement or pretend to implement for the next parliament. It might be a thing that he keeps in his back pocket to, uh, if, if the poll numbers really slip. Like, for instance, in this election... The liberals didn't have to do anything too rash because although it did look bad for them or not bad, but hairy for them, um, you know, kind of in that first couple of weeks of the election, you know, they call the election and then all of a sudden Aaron O'Toole is, is winning by four or five points. Mm-hmm. Liberals probably panicking a little bit. Who knows? Maybe he promises he makes a more specific pharmacare promise in that in that election. Right. Mm, but yeah. um, but I'm not sure. I think it's too early to speculate. I do think that's one of the demands Singh should focus on, um, because, again, sick leave is important. And Justin Trudeau was a scumbag to not implement it during yeah. the actual pandemic, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that the NDP proposed it and kept proposing it. And then he kind of used it as a as a bait for this election. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if Singh makes that a priority, I don't know how much is gained because that was a Trudeau promise. And I don't think that was a promise he's necessarily going to break because it's frankly not that bold a promise, right? Yeah. And so, you know, Singh sort of saying we want sick leave is 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 limited because it's like we're probably going to get that. So if you mm-hmm. want to say something that is achievable, that's broadly popular, that Trudeau at least ostensibly says he cares about, um, and, that, and that isn't currently offering. And I do think that Pharmacare checks most of the boxes. Um, yeah, that would and, be a victory, yeah. right? It could be yeah, yeah. construed as an NDP victory if we do get even the paid yeah. sick leave. Do you think that narrative could be pushed, even though, like you said, Trudeau already kind of said that, no, 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 this is something we're going to get yeah, because I mean, he needs like, some wins. Like uh, Singh yeah, needs some defi- wins. You could definitely take some credit for it, but I would suggest, again, it's not the hugest victory for a couple reasons. Again, it's not the most major policy, if we're being yeah. honest. It doesn't compare to Pharmacare, for instance. But I think a, a bigger factor is like Trudeau ran on in the last election, sort of the NDP. Um, I think morally you could say that, you know, while it's getting implemented now, if it was up to Jagmeet Singh, we would have had it. Uh, we would have had it, uh, you know, early on in COVID and it would have made a difference. Um, it'll be harder to claim it as a distinctly NDP victory because mm-hmm. Trudeau put it in his platform and, and ran on it. And, you know, it's more going to be a shared policy versus... Uh, you know, saying, say, getting that in the last minority parliament. Uh, mm. But in any case, I don't think the implementation of sick leave early on in this parliament is going to have a big weight next election because mm. it's going to be probably one of the first things done. Um, and it's sort of expected because, again, yeah. Trudeau ran on it. The NDP already supported it, et cetera. Yeah, I, I did want to discuss with you a little bit this idea of the federal vaccine passports. Uh, Nora Leto, who I believe now has a show on the Harbinger Media Network, where we are as well. She's a wonderful journalist, been doing podcasting for a long time, but that she had this feature talking about a little while ago, the downsides of a federal vaccine passport that I think generally most of the major parties support and, and believe is kind of a necessity. And it, it really spoke to this idea that there is... A history, a very real history of 
government bureaucracy, both intentional and unintentional, making sure that through services like this, the underrepresented are either maligned or dominated through the machinations of these sort of passport systems. Certain people either intentionally or maybe just perhaps to our own racism that is not as direct, not being included in something that is so essential for interprovincial travel and even travel domestically. The I don't necessarily know if this is quite a slam dunk. And the thing that really upsets me is there is a real valid, I believe, criticism of these sort of passport systems from communities that have been traditionally taken advantage of by the uh, the government powers that be. But outwardly, that is not the strongest voice who is against this. It is across the board, and you see it across Canada, you know, people who are more PPC, people who are traditionally white and able to afford certain things and just don't want to be told what to do. It's a matter of generally not the victims of the sort of like yeah. <laughs> medical medical discrimination that say affects indigenous Canadians. Exactly. And black Canadians, and and, 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 and that's not to, because, you know, many low-income Canadians, people with disabilities, who, uh, you know, especially mental health issues, which, you know, are, uh, come in all backgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, may, may be victims. But in general, white Canadians have not been discriminated against <laughs> by the healthcare system. That's not a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering this, this take of what a disservice, because I think every, like, generally, there's a lot of support for this sort of passport system. And I, I am worried based on what we've seen from the type of governmental systems in the past and how they have, we're just leaving this this holiday in remembrance for indigenous people, how we have obliterated and furthered these genocides, how this could have those sort of racist effects that could really ruin people's lives. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, your take on this. I, I just, and even the left-wing take, I don't think it's just as simple as like, yeah, of course, check mark, easy. Everyone should do this. It's it's a simple win. Uh, what do you think here, Christo? I mean, honestly, I'm not a hundred percent. I I mean, I I, I tricky, see the right? general yeah. argument that that um, the provinces are all doing this, but there's no way as of right now to get a sense for who's vaccinated. It's going to cause potential issues with like Via Rail, Air Canada, uh, movement across the country, and as things are opening up, and they are largely opened up in many places. Um, mm. you know, I'm not necessarily going out too much to like the movies or anything, but like, you could, we still have a young son at our house that it can't get vaccinated yet. Cause he's too young. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the reality is that, um, you know, there, there does need to be some sort of mechanism. I don't know what it is to, to try and keep track of who's vaccinated across the country. I don't know if that's a database. I'm not sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, if you want to go to a restaurant, do we need a federal passport? Do we need some sort of agreement that, you know, here in Ontario, if you go to a restaurant, you can just show somebody your Ontario vaccination PDF on your phone or have a paper copy? Do we just need the provinces to all sort of agree to accept those? And the federal government just needs to coordinate that? I'm not sure. Um, I certainly see the argument. The, like the medical establishment uh, has often... Uh, harmed indigenous people and that's mm-hmm. not simply with vaccines and passports but there have been cases of forced sterilization uh there have been indigenous people being denied care and we're, not, we're talking about like recently like the last few yeah. years like mm-hmm. historically certainly there were like indigenous hospitals that sort of like residential schools uh were there to basically cause harm rather than uh help but mm-hmm. um you know doctors denying 
uh, denying medical care to indigenous people because the assumption was they were just drunk or whatever. Um, just awful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I understand the risks, but I still do wonder if given that, you know, our borders within the country are, are, we don't have border stations between provinces. Uh, in some places people move across provincial borders very frequently. Like you live in Ottawa hall, you might cross the border multiple times a day, you know, for work, for shopping, for, uh, you socializing, whatever. Um, I don't know if, uh, 10 provincial systems and three territorial systems necessarily gets the job done. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is, though, because, again, there's 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 real risks. But then again, there's also risks that a lot of people get excluded from the current provincial systems as well. Right. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the same argument could be made that some sort of mandate at the provincial level is making it harder for some people to access uh, basic services and things like that as well. And those mm-hmm. people might disproportionately be lower income people. Uh, you know, live in isolated communities, racialized, indigenous, what have you. So I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, though. Frankly, like I actually mm-hmm. don't know. I, I hope that if Singh and other party leaders really push this, and when it comes to implementation, I do see the NDP taking a role of making sure that this federal passport system has this concern baked into, you know, its creation. That the things we're talking about now and the the questions of what you do for certain segments of the population that have been historically and are ongoingly, ongoingly or actively, that's the word, yeah. uh, well, ongo- being criminalized. Works. It's a new word. All right, we'll go with that. New we'll go word. with that. that. That's our comedy, folks, for the comedy podcast section. But I, I just, I, I hope that, I see that as the NDP's role when it comes to this because generally there is, I think, a consensus of the need for this and this is where the NDP can really shine and show the bona fides of what, this party is supposed to represent and it is for adhering to and and bolstering the rights of people that are generally forgotten by the other parties. And I think that is where this third party will be the most successful. So yeah, my only hope is if they, because they're going to do something, something is going to happen, but I do hope that I hear Singh talking about, you know, what about indigenous people like this? How many of you, you know, leaders have you consulted? What have you discovered about, you know, technological applications for areas where they don't have this sort of access? Like that is vitally important. And I just, I don't think we're hearing enough of that. It's more just like, oh, we need these passports. And the people who are against it are raving mad lunatics that like paint uh, X's over their mouths and say that this is Animal Farm or something like that. You know, like I, I feel like that narrative really needs to change here in Canada. And it hasn't like that is the general opposition to this is that sort of belief or at least the public perception of any sort of governmental implementation of of medical considerations when it comes to COVID. And, you know, that's a big disservice. That's how things actually fall through the cracks. And it's such a shame that the message of, you know, medical tyranny by the government, I'm not talking about vaccines. There's a lot of evidence of this is not like forced sterilization, but there wasn't enough consideration of how difficult it is for certain segments of the population to have access to this. And we just expect them to. I remember here in Ontario, remember what Doug Ford did and said to uh, the indigenous MP, MPP that yeah, so was like, yeah. Oh my, like, it's just, yeah. it, I, 
it was it was he a little while him ago. Of jumping the line when in reality uh, it was uh, within his writing, um, in his 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 uh, writing basically he was invited by the community to get vaccinated uh, because they thought it would you know, help encourage vaccination to see a you know an indigenous leader a, a member of the provincial parliament somebody respected and trusted in the community get vaccinated because again. There are, from certain segments of the population, legitimate concerns and, 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 and lack of trust from uh, towards the medical establishment. Um, mm-hmm. And so Doug Ford tried to make that a political issue, saying that he was cheating his way to the front of the vaccine line because he's a rel- Saul Mamakwa is a relatively young guy. At the time, most non-Indigenous people were, were, were uh, of his age were not allowed to get vaccinated. But Indigenous people, particularly in isolated communities, were asked to get vaccinated earlier because of the vulnerabilities and also the the, the difficulty in them getting hospitalized care if they do if they mm-hmm. do, you know got severe symptoms right because they it's yeah so you're I far just, away from, it, yeah you're far away it's a, it's a guaranteed helicopter plane ride type thing right if you're if you get really sick the, the irony of that when I believe at the time even and I know in the last few weeks his daughter has been actively pushing uh, Doug Ford's daughter like anti-vaxxer and and not the need for this sort of, you know, accreditation sentiments like that. That shows you where our leaders actually align. Is you know, this like, the one that the sells the cookies? Yes, this is the this is the weed cookie lady yeah. that is just like it's just I, I can't Look, believe I, it. I, like, I, I just know, I'm always too, like, you know, like like, you know, people follow me on YouTube. I mean, I'm, I mean, I go at the Trump kids, but the Trump kids are in politics. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I try to leave the Ford kids out of it and like, you know, whatever. But like, I mean, like, yeah, it's it, it's pretty bad, right? Like, it's pretty yeah. bad to 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 see him judge other people and, and you, you see his family do all of this. And I do wonder what's going to happen here in Ontario, because it was just announced a little while ago that movie theaters, outdoor activities and even indoor activities, they wanted to be ready for the Raptors and Leaf season when it opens up can now go back to full capacity. We've reached our 86% first uh, shots and our 82% two doses. So, you know, we are going to a state now. It's not the same um, relief for restaurants, but movie theaters now, we're going back to, you know, shoulder to shoulder for these releases. And I don't know. I I don't see us jumping back in droves. What do you think, Christo? Yeah, I mean, because like the laws are one thing. And I think a lot of people, you know... uh, trust the authorities and we're sort of waiting for that permission. But I think that mm-hmm. like for my wife and I, for instance, like we'll probably go to restaurants when they're not very packed, but we won't take our son uh, for a yeah. while because he's not vaccinated. But we know we will go to an outdoor restaurant. Like, you know, it, it, patio season's almost over in Canada. <laughs> uh, we've had a little bit of a warm October, so maybe not quite over yet. But the, but the reality is like, I don't think we'll be doing things like going back to theaters yet, right? So I think you're right that for some people, the second it's like legally allowed, they're going to be back doing everything. They're vaccinated. (laughs) They've waited. They're going to go back. They're going to just, you know, it'll be like, you know, February 2020 for them. And then for others, it's going to take a bit of time, right? And so I think Mm -hmm. that like you might see some places, you know, not, not fill up to capacity, even though... They can fill up the capacity. Um, but I, I do suspect that, like, you know, a lot of people are ready to get back to normal. And, I mean, if 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 we're all getting vaccinated and we wear our masks when appropriate, yeah. then maybe we can. I mean, if you look at per capita cases right now, Ontario and Quebec are 
doing doing a little bit better than some other provinces. Yeah, Northwest Territories is just yeah. going up like crazy right now. Yeah, that has been so. per capita one of the uh, the bigger issues that now they're trying to tackle. I know we talked about it a, a little bit in the past, but Alberta and just that ongoing pandemic, they are now sending additional resources and you know some real active triage and it, it just makes you think like right now Ontario is is opening up movie theaters and allowing 30,000 people to go into the ACC but they in Alberta he just needed to have the Calgary stampede they just needed to have that thing a little bit early and now they're you know that many steps behind and it's that much of a disaster so I do it's amazing to see in the last year and a half to two years how the different conservative leadership across Canada has dealt with this pandemic. We talked a lot early on in this podcast about how abysmally Doug Ford was doing. And every time he spoke, he made mistakes. He was contradicting. But in the last, you know, during this election season, he was basically silent. He basically said nothing. And people have generally forgot. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're 100% right. And I think like, you know, uh, it's Ontario has definitely not had the worst, uh, you know, uh, fourth wave, or I don't know if you can classify what we have as, as a fourth wave, whatever, but, um, yeah, you could definitely see, you know, the, the, not all the governments are the same, the maritime governments, again, uh, two of which, three of which right now technically are conservative governments. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have a PC government in, uh, Newfoundland or PEI, uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Uh, are all generally doing quite well. I think New Brunswick's had a bit of a per capita spike, but in the broad terms, the Maritimes did quite well. And then you had just awful, awful performances by Kenny and mostly awful by Ford. Uh, but, you know, Legault's, you know, right of center government in Quebec has done at least marginally better. Um, and mm -hmm. so a, a lot of it, I think, is maybe up to like provincial cultures as well. Um, mm, you know, because like, if people get vaccinated and a vaccination, people get vaccinated in Ontario and you know, a lot of people voted for Doug Ford, not enough to give him the majority. His majority's fake, but he did get, if you look at the people who voted in the last election, they were more likely to vote for Ford than anybody else. And yeah. so, you know, it's conservatives in this, people who voted conservative in Ontario, you know, a lot, most of them got vaccinated, right? And I think that it mm -hmm. shows that if you get vaccinated, cases are going to go down in general, right? Like, um, that's the, that's the big factor right now. And in Alberta, I don't know if there's, you know, in certain areas, there's a reluctance to get vaccinated and it's their rash policy, but it's it's the reason why they're really struggling right now. In Ontario, we aren't as much. Uh, again, knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. You really are, are an, on an island right now if you're a conservative pundit that is still trying to say that vaccines don't work. Like, it's very clear now we've had enough time throughout the summer and into the fall to see, again, knock on wood, that there is a difference that like the 98 to 99 percent of those who are in the hospital that have covid right now in canada are ones that are not vaccinated like it's it's very simple the facts the, the empirical reality of what it's like to live here in canada speaks to that so i'm hoping that margin gets less and less but we are moving more into a system where if you have, like in your case, Christo, young children, or if you're one of the hundreds of thousands, if not up to the million people that have issues, medical issues that preclude you from being vaccinated, 
life in this country will be very different. And I don't know if it'll ever necessarily be the same. You talked about of being a family with a young child. You have to make choices that ensure safety where the laws don't really matter, you know? So I, I don't, this idea of going back to normal that I think we've tried to, you know, cultivate for a long time, I, I'm worried is going to be damaging because of the fact that it will never be like we we don't want to have other second classes of people. We want to feel like we're all together in this. So I don't know. Anyways, anything else to uh, <laughs> to talk about with uh, the the COVID push and anything with uh, NDP? Are we no, good? I think I, th- I mean, I think we're good. I think you're right. I think there does have to be some some care. And I think a lot of consultation with communities that can be affected uh, but I mean, I do see value in a federal a federal passport, especially if, you know, you're going to see the resumption of, of of broad national travel through air and through rail mm-hmm. and through uh, all those other, just through cars or whatever. But also just if you have wildly different performances between provinces, uh, you know, you know, maybe a, a, some sort of fed, a federal coordination on who is vaccinated and all those sorts of things is, is needed. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So we'll absolutely watch that. And in the coming weeks, see how it goes and just generally, you know, take a look and see what this this federal government is going to shape up to be. Hopefully the NDP can get some of those wins early on and hopefully Trudeau steps in it again so that uh, we get good things here in Canada. Uh, We like on Left Turn Canada to really go to our audience a lot. So if you're interested in asking some questions, participating in the program, head to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash left turn Canada. Uh, added a new tier, just $1 a month or 10 bucks for the whole year. You just you toss that in and you can join our Discord or, or communicate through email. And we like to answer your questions. It's a great little community. So we have two questions here. I think we might have time for both. Uh, the first one is from Arugula. He's been asking this question for a little while now, so I'm glad that I can finally get to it. It is regarding statements made by the NDP National Director Anne McGrath, which I have right here. It was a little tidbit, tidbit, excuse me, out of a, a newsletter that's been going around. It was discussing the NDP and pushing harder back on Bill 21. So the the quote is from Anne McGrath, I don't see any value in brainstorming the rest of Canada against Quebec. For one thing, I think that would be a huge mistake to identify Quebec as one particular place for people to generate that anger. I think it's dangerous from a national unity point of view. Winning is incredibly important, but not at all costs. If it were win at all costs, I might not be a member of the NDP. So the the question that uh, Arugula has is essentially, you know, how are we supposed to, as a uh, supporters of the NDP, take this? Like, is there any amount of capitulating on Bill 21 that would make its voters, make its supporters vote for a man that's in a turban? Or is this kind of a compromise of an NDP value on anti-racism? And I think it's an interesting point. I do wonder if, you know, it's it, it speaks to maybe what we talked about before of trying to get some wins at all. But it is kind of not, if you're not anti-racist, then, you know, it is a kind of us or them sort of thing when it comes to issues like this. Uh, what do you think about her statements and, you know, what supporters should uh, should think about this? I mean, look, Bill 21 is a racist bill. It yes. is. It mm-hmm. is. Like, look, like it is. 
And I, I think that, you know, you have to be careful and you have to, you know, avoid just kind of saying, you know, oh, Quebec is like racist and the rest of, you know, Canada, Anglo-Canada, you know, non-Quebec Canada is like this glorious multicultural paradise. And I do see some people sort of slip into that. But like, let's be real. Like in Quebec, there, in a way that it isn't the case in Ontario or New Brunswick or anywhere else in the country... You can be banned from certain jobs, not all jobs, but certain public jobs, if you wear certain religious symbols. And this overwhelmingly affects people like Muslim women who wear the hijab or Sikh yeah. men who wear a turban. And it affects them from being full participants in public life in Quebec. It doesn't, like, you know, you, 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 it doesn't ban them from wearing those symbols everywhere. It's not like they have a, a hijab ban. But, like, there are certain jobs in Quebec you can't have because of your religion. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, they, it's not religious because, you know, it affects all religions. But in, in reality, it's not really affecting a Christian. It's not. It's affecting yeah. Muslims and Sikhs and other groups, right? And they cite safety concerns as the reasoning, right? Yeah, I remember that yeah. being something. Like, look, so, like, it is perfectly, on, in my opinion, on base to suggest that Bill 21 is an unabashedly racist bill and there's nothing quite like it anywhere else in Canada right now. You don't mm. necessarily have to then say Quebec is uniquely racist and the rest of the country than the rest of the country, but it is to say that certain manifestations of Quebecois nationalism have made it so that there is systematic racial discrimination against mm. many people in Quebec like Muslim women, Sikh men, and others, right? And yeah. so, you know, depending on the kind of job you want to hold, I'm, I'm not exactly sure which ones it affects, but like, you, you know, you, you either the have the choice of... The biggest one is school of, teachers. Of, That's the big one. Yeah, school you teachers, either have a yeah. choice of, 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 of quitting your job or, or sacrificing a core element of your religion, and mind you, a core element of your religion that doesn't fucking hurt anyone. We're, like, we're not talking about here about like certain religious... Uh, traditions that are harmful right like every religion yeah. has them and you know society should at some point say look i don't care what your religion says everyone's got basic human rights but this is a, an imposition on people who are simply wearing articles of clothing right and how do they justify um, it now when we've had to wear masks at work for the past 15 months yeah. like it's insane well, yeah, yeah yeah and so so <laughs> I understand, but the, and the thing is, like, Singh's not going to win anything from this because, one, his current position is the same as the other parties, effectively, which is, like, nothing, to basically mm -hmm. ignore it, because, it, you know, the bill is popular in Quebec, it's popular, um, and it's um, unpopular in the rest of Canada, but, you know, I, I don't see, it's, look, from a matter of principle, the NDP should speak up against it. I actually disagree with Anne McGrath in the sense that I agree with her in the sense that part of the NDP's charm um, is that they've taken positions that are objectively unpopular or politically un unpalatable uh, because it's the right thing to do. Uh, can they did it with yeah. the uh, October crisis, which which was wildly popular, uh, Pierre Trudeau's War Measures Act, uh, but in 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 the decades and generations following has become more and more criticized by the public by and by uh, scholars and what have you. And Tommy Douglas took the right position when he did that. But to me, it's like the principled position is to say, no, people of Quebec, I don't necessarily think you're racist, 
But this bill, which the vast majority of you support, and most of the members of the provincial, um, you know, the L'Assemblée Nationale, the provincial uh, assembly in, in Quebec support, is racist. Mm-hmm. It's racist. It fundamentally violates the human rights of certain subsets of your population based on culture and religion and what have you. And it's definitely against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Because here's the thing. You would get some praise from the Canadian media. You would. Even if Singh did it, they would praise him. There'd be a lot of people who'd be like, that was a courageous thing to do. You'd get some good coverage in English Canada. And then not not a single English Canadian, I think, would vote for you based on that. Mm. Like, it's not going to be the kind of thing that moves votes. People like, you yeah. know what I mean? Especially if he did it right now. But yeah. Quebec <laughs> would, now, would absolutely yeah. torch you, right? Yeah. And so the yeah. principled position is to actually go against Bill 21. Um, you know, the, the the politically calculated position is to do what Singh and Trudeau and O'Toole basically all did, which is to um, not, not praise Bill 21, but not really criticize it either, because there are minimal gains in English Canada. And big potential, even though Singh only has one seat in Quebec, big potential losses for all the parties in Quebec. Like, if you ever want to win, because the NDP lost a couple close races in Quebec, if you wanted to win Ruth Ellen Brousseau's seat back next time, coming out against Bill 21 would would, would, would absolutely end it all, right? Well, maybe that's um, the question that Arugula and had. Even I the think liberals, that is kind like of like The liberals core. have a lot of support from English, yeah. uh, English yeah. speakers in Quebec. Bill 21 is not popular with many of the Anglo-Quebecers. Right. Yeah, but I think but yeah, but, I think the big the question is the liberals already have all their votes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I wonder if the big question is because of who uh, Singh is as the leader that he is, uh, you know, visibly wearing the the sort of uh, religious symbols that are being uh, used to, like you said, inflict racism in this area. If he came out against it, it the people that support that bill already have kind of a, a, a perspective that is racist, I think, in some ways, right? I think that's at least the question here. So if, because of who Singh is, maybe he would never get those people to begin with, because if you support Bill 21, chances are you're not going to vote for a leader that, you know, wears a, a turban. Chances are. What do, you, what do you think on that? Maybe, right? I think... I, I, but maybe look, it's not that clear cut. Like, portion, yeah. yes. Maybe a significant portion, yes, but see, I wouldn't necessarily say that because, you know, in in Canada and the United States, people are comfortable voting with, um, for for like, and I'm not necessarily making the comparison, but there are Republicans in the United States willing to vote for black people and 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 minorities, yeah. so long as those black people and minorities toe certain lines, uh, and so I do think that there are a a, a subset of the of the population in Quebec and, and outside of Quebec that might not be yet be comfortable voting for a person of color or a person who wears religious garb or a woman in some cases, even in certain parts where they'd be reluctant to vote for a woman or an LGBTQ person. But I, it's also the case that there might be some people open to voting NDP, um, but if Singh made an open declaration against Bill 21, they'd lose those people, potentially. Mm, that, that, that is yeah. potentially the case. There might be some people that are okay voting for Singh because they don't necessarily mind his personal choice to wear religious garb, but uh, him from from Ottawa criticizing a bill in the Quebec Assembly might be might 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 bother them. Uh, but but you're right. I'm yeah. not sure, right? I'm not sure what yeah, the what tricky. the answer is mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, look, the reality is, I I'd be very surprised to see any 
any of the big parties come out against uh, Bill 21. It just, it's, it's too popular, and there's minimal gains. There's minimal gains mm-hmm. to be made. Um, because, again, English Canada, uh, you might get some praise in English Canada, but I don't know if, it, if that will move any votes. People might applaud you and just go back to doing what they would be doing anyway. Because it's like, yeah. it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not going to be a tier one issue. Whereas in Quebec, it is a tier or tier, tier one or tier two issue. And they will not forget, you know, if you take a, a certain position on that. Interesting. So, and I think uh, the last election kind of speaks truth to your concerns here because Singh across the board was the most critical of Trudeau and his completely lackluster support and recognition of the ongoing indigenous genocide that's going on. It's something that was a through line that he always had. It was it was a tentpole, I would even say, that the NDP were going to do something better. And if that issue that was so public and, and so wildly known and so affecting to many Canadians that really felt like, OK, this is something that I believe is wrong and it hurts me as a human being and it makes me feel bad as a Canadian. But I'm still going to vote for Trudeau because, you know, I, I don't know about O'Toole. Like if that issue and his support of that didn't translate into a big change in votes, why would this one do it? Like why yeah, would him and same thing, right? fighting yeah, this? It doesn't yeah, seem to make yeah, sense, right? No. Yeah. I, I think that's a good analogy. And in many ways, it's less controversial. I think that it's it's it, it, it the po- politics makes much more sense taking a strong stand on indigenous issues because you can directly attack Trudeau on it again with Bill Twenty One. Uh, not, again, not only do you just piss off Quebec, it's not as if Justin Trudeau is a big supporter of Bill Twenty One yeah. publicly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> such that you can then say go to um, racialized communities in, in, in Ontario and say, um, you know, you, I'm standing up for the rights of people uh, all over Canada, even when it's unpopular in Quebec. Um, you, I, I, I don't know, right? I, I, yeah. Why is this such will say, an important The liberals issue will say, well, we for... certainly don't. Justin Trudeau has never come out and said, you know, I'm yeah. a big fan of yeah. Bill 21, right? Why so, yeah. is this such an important issue for Quebecers? Like, why? I, I remember when this was first announced and the controversy that was surrounding it. But I, I, I have not lived in the province. I'm not as familiar with, you know, the players. And I think the culture, you talked about it earlier, about the provincial cultures and how they really do transform and kind of supersede politics and what you see on paper. You know, based on your understanding, Crystal, maybe we'll get a, a guest in the near future to talk about it. But yeah, what, why is this such a, a, an important thing for, for segments of the population, in your opinion? I mean, like, I'm not like, like, I mean, I've done some research on Quebec history through my, 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 my dissertation on Pierre Trudeau and all of that, but I'm not necessarily an expert, but in general, you know, Quebec used to be, uh, just like the broad, broad history here used to be the most religious part of the country. Uh, mm. the church was essential in day-to-day life, even in a way it wasn't quite in the rest of Canada and much later than in other parts of the country, even into the 1950s. Uh, many schools were still religious and, 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 and the church played a very direct role. There were religious, many unions were openly religious unions, like the members had to be Catholic, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then part of the modernization of Quebec um, was a secularization of Quebec, right? Mm. It, it, was a, it was a secularization of Quebec, which began to sort of de-emphasize the, the role of religion in public life. One argument is that there is a, a, a big skepticism of all religion 
And then as Quebec began to diversify and more religions were added, I mean, at the time there was a significant Jewish population, but as many people immigrated from Muslim parts of the world, because people from French speaking Muslim parts of the world, like Lebanon, let's say for instance, and other countries, um, those, that, that skepticism of religion was applied to other non-Christian faiths as well, even mm. though those faiths had no played no role in the religious dominance historically of the province. Another argument is that, you know, uh, a certain strand of, of, of Quebec nationalist um, sees, you know, it, it current identity as essential and that identity is of a kind of like a white secularism. And so both people of color mm. in general, but religious people of color in particular, challenge that, that, that notion of Quebec's identity, right? Which is rooted in, you know, a largely white you know, French Canadian, mostly secular now identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm again, I'm not an expert. But it, so and uh, yeah, I attacking that is attacking are, Quebec's yeah, identity a bit. Yeah, is what and, you're and modern. Yeah. And there are also some influences from France, which takes a, a different sort of more hardline secular approach mm-hmm. than say England does. Right. So you know, France is uh, the and again early on the the the, the Quebec f- tradition and the French tradition separated. Uh, you know, in the 1700s. And so while France became more hardline secular after the French Revolution, Quebec became more and more religious. But the reality is that like the French speaking world, for some reason, tends to have more of a a militant secularism as opposed to, um, you know, Canada or say Britain, where, Mm. you know, there are secularists, of course, but there's also not the same kind of ban on religious symbols as there is in, say, France or Quebec. Yeah, so I think ultimately talking through this issue and, and examining it as much as it might seem as a a principled stand versus a politically prudent one the advantages of him of saying in any sort of major party pushing against it don't really seem to be there because of how it's entrenched with other issues and it could very real likelihood hurt Singh and the NDP in a big way. Is that still worth it because it's wrong? I think there are many NDP supporters and many people listening to our program right now that would say absolutely, like without a question. That's why we want Singh in there because he will fight against things that are wrong. I think that there is a path here and it doesn't necessarily need to be so self-destructive and also fighting to have something right. Like there, there could I don't be, know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know some alchemy. I don't yeah, know. I, I is don't there, know. is look, that, a, look, am I being wishful here or no? <laughs> yeah, pro- probably. Yeah. Like I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Look, look, the bill, the bill is bad. It is racist. Quebecers overwhelmingly support it. So you can openly say overwhelming numbers of Quebecers support a racist bill. Does that mean they're racist? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Um, would it be the right thing to do to say what I just said? Yes. hundred percent. Would it be politically mm-hmm. stupid? Probably. And so I don't think you're going to see it from saying, even if it's the right thing to do. Simple as that. I think that's like that. That's right. like a good way to end that. Yeah. I just, I don't yeah, see I it. Think that, I maybe think I'm wrong. It, so. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like he's, maybe Singh's new calculus is, uh, I got to win in Ontario. And if I, maybe this makes me popular in Ontario. I don't know, but I, I doubt it. Cause again, I think like, even if criticizing bill 21 would be popular in many parts of non Quebec Canada, um, I don't know if it's a move, a vote mover in the way that it, it is yeah. in Quebec. If indigenous rights and like kids in graves 
in, in mass graves didn't move people to the one party that was actively like fighting against this genocide or at least the best at it than in of all the others. I doubt this is really going to have that rippling effect, but we will see like it's this is the interesting point right now of where we're sitting, looking at the oncoming federal government, you know, the role that the NDP can take can be more bold. But like you said, Christo, it's going to be measured by the practicality of where those wins can come from. But I I am hoping, not even hoping, it's almost a necessity that we do have a party that has a significant or even a minor, you know, uh, seat share in our federal government that will say things that are important for Canadians that are not being considered. You know, that is why I think we give, at least me, that's why I give my support for the NDP. And if that doesn't continue, I think there could be a real push against it. It'll be interesting to see if Singh does become, you know, more of that leader. We saw glimpses of it. I think that his personal beliefs are even a little more in line with the stuff we're talking about. But it will be an interesting few months, uh, especially after Trudeau gets those cabinet choices. So it's going to be a big one. Anything else before we go here? And again, that was a question from our Discord. If you want to participate, patreon.com slash left turn Canada. Uh, we didn't get to the other question. We'll get to that next week because it's it's big and, and yeah, chunky. We'll, we'll and, talk. Yeah, we had a good question about ranked ballots yeah. and electoral form. We'll get to that next week. It's you know, we'll have lots of time to talk electoral form. No, but I'm good. This was great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, I hope you all have a good one.